It is Thursday, October 3rd here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Week 5 Preview Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. And if you head over to DraftSharks.com now, you will find our second buy-sell-hold report of the year. That means it's time, Jared, to give the disclaimer that you do not need to move these players at all costs, and a hold is not the same as a do-not-trade order. All right, yeah, the... Uh... Emails coming in for trade offers always spike after the buy sell hold reports. They're just they're just ideas, you know. Yeah. I mean, and, and I know if you read the uh, fantasy visions every week too, you'll sort of get an, an idea you know, beyond the buy sell hold reports of guys that we think might you know be looking at increases in production and decreases in production in the next few weeks. You are certainly always welcome to ask us questions if there's if there are offers that you're considering. But remember, it is suggestions. It is not a you must do this right. order. Yep. Uh, you will find some wide receivers worth inquiring about. You will find some movable running backs in what should be a seller's market at the position. You'll probably find us talking about a lot of those guys today as well in the preview of week five. So let's jump into that now. And the post-Thursday action starts with Minnesota at the Giants in a game I don't want to watch. <laughs> the Vikings are five and a half point favorites. That's up one point from where it began. Maybe because um, Stefan Diggs has had palpable frustration, but now he says he's cool. So I guess the fact that he's cool, maybe that adds a point to the Vikings side. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I mean, this should be a game we like Minnesota's passing attack. I mean, the Giants' pass defense has not been good all season. <laughs> but, I mean, do we think Minnesota's going to hash pass? I think that's the question. Will the Giants score enough to force Cousins to throw up more than 20 times? I'm going to chuckle every time you refer <laughs> to Minnesota's pass offense as an attack. It's a good spot for them, I guess. Don't think they'll throw more than 24 passes. <laughs> I would play Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs. I'm not excited to play yeah. them, but either could certainly produce, even if they only see six targets apiece in this game. I mean, at this point, we're sort of searching for reasons to play those guys. Adam Thielen's only finished better than wide receiver 38 in one week. Stefan Diggs last week was his first finish better than wide receiver 43. So, I mean, I think the ma- the matchup is what keeps them as high as they are in the rankings. But, I mean, both guys have low floors, as we've seen this season already. Yeah, and even that, I wouldn't bet money on them finishing where they are in the rankings. Me me neither. It's going to totally depend on how many times they get the ball. I will say, Kirk Cousins apologized to Adam Thielen on a radio show this week about missing him with some deep shots this week. So maybe there's a little extra motivation for Kirk Cousins to go to Thielen. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, again, we're searching for reasons to start these guys. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're... There are wide receiver one types who are low in wide receiver two territory, probably starting most of the time, certainly going to this week if they normally would be. And otherwise, no thanks on any Viking not named Dalvin Cook. Yep, should be a big Cook game, obviously. On the Giants' side, Wayne Gallman still in running back two territory, but I and I, I would be fine with using him in PPR. I would try not to use him in non-PPR. It obviously depends on what else you have as options. I don't think the yardage is going to be there. I don't think scoring opportunities are going to be there. And if, for example, I would play both Chargers over him. I would play Jordan Howard over him, at least in non-PPR. I would probably play Ronald Jones over him in non-PPR, certainly not in PPR. I'd play Wayne Gallman there. And if Damian Williams keeps trending in the right direction, oh, yeah. I'd probably have to go ahead and play Damian Williams over Wayne Gallman. Yeah, we'll talk about Williams, but full practice for him on Wednesdays. I, I would play him over Gallman. I'd play the Chargers over Gallman. I think I'd play Gallman over the other guys you mentioned, just just based on volume again. He got you know, that was 18 carries last week. And, and, and the seven targets is big because we do expect mm-hmm. the Giants to be playing from behind here. So, you know, Gallman should 
raise his floor with that pass catching production. Yeah, certainly worth noting on the target side, though, that the Giants get Golden Tate back for the first time this year. Was suspended through the first four games. He's okay as a PPR flex consideration. We'll see how much goes his way. But if we are expecting, you know, 36-plus attempts from Daniel Jones, then Golden Tate's a solid bet for volume here. And I think that cuts into the upside for Wayne Gallman. Like I said, I I still like him better in PPR than non-PPR, but not a lock for the kind of work he got last week, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, Tate should step right in as at least the Giants' number two wide receiver, you know, maybe the third option in the passing game behind Evan Ingram. I would I would try to take a wait-and-see wait approach if you can, just in this matchup. Mm-hmm. We don't love the spot for the Giants' offense, but if Tate's your best option, again, he, he should at least be on the field, and he's a pretty good target. But Yeah, and on the matchup, da- Daniel Jones certainly not a top-12 fantasy quarterback going mm-hmm. into the week, but there is some upside. The Vikings sit just 16th in pass defense DVOA, according to football outsiders so far, fourth against the run. They're only they're allowing six and a half yards per attempt. So I don't want to imply that they're a weak pass defense, but it's it's not like a shutdown pass defense where if Daniel Jones does something serviceable this week, we should be shocked. Yeah, and Jones gave us the rushing again last week. You know, he didn't score, but 33 rushing yards. So even though he he wasn't great as a passer, it was it was definitely a step back. Um, he finished quarterback 19 on the week, so you know he does have that decent floor because mm-hmm. of the rushing ability. And Sterling Shepard, uh, fine for PPR this week. And Evan Ingram's not a guy yep. we're going to ever talk about on the show because he's yep. an every week starter. Exactly. Baltimore at Pittsburgh is up next. The Ravens are three and a half point road favorites, a 44 point over under. Mark Andrews, I'll get to first here. Eight targets against the Browns last week, but his playing time was down. He 55%, 52% the previous two weeks, down to 42% in week four, and a season low 29 total snaps. Didn't practice again Wednesday. So, I mean, if Mark Andrews is active the same way he was last week when he missed practice leading up to the game, then you probably have to use him. But this is a situation to keep monitoring with his foot. Yeah, it definitely seems like the foot is an issue. Like you said, they you know, still saw the eight targets last week. Um, he, he did set a season low, too, in uh, percentage of, of routes run on Lamar Jackson dropbacks. It was 55% for Mark Andrews after being you know between 63 and 80% in the first three weeks. So definitely seems like he's limited. Hurts the upside, hurts the floor a little bit, too. But, yeah, yeah, you know, tight end is so weak. And this matchup's fine, too. The Steelers are middling in football outsiders, tight end coverage rankings, 19th in adjusted fantasy points allowed. So, you know, decent matchup for Andrews. He's... He's still in the tight end one mix, but until he's fully healthy, I think the upside we saw in those first couple of weeks isn't going to be there. Yeah, I mean, if you're sitting on Mark Andrews and Darren Waller, then I would play Darren Waller mm-hmm. over Mark Andrews right now unless we get positive reports or greater practice participation on the foot. But otherwise, it's probably Andrews in your lineup. Yep. Marquise Brown, I'm, I'm done saying this is the week Marquise <laughs> Brown is going to go off. There's going to be a week at some point. It's just it's it's not going to be as predictable as we would like it to be. Yeah. He's third in the league among wideouts and air yards right now, 17th in receiving yards. Yeah, I mean, the usage was still there last week. Saw so seven targets, 21% target share. Over the last two weeks now, he, he's caught six of 16 targets. Like, <laughs> he might remain a low catch rate guy this season, just mm-hmm. the type of player he is, and he's playing with a still inconsistent quarterback, and he's a rookie. But, I mean, you know, six catches on 16 targets, that, that that's going to come up, so... Do still expect some positive regression. He still does have that huge ceiling. I would keep rolling him out there in fantasy lineups. You just have to accept the you know the volatility. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm not going to say this is the week he goes off <laughs> because I'm done using him. It's just that Marquise Brown's going to be like wide receiver 36 in my rankings regardless yeah. of matchup going forward. And you play him knowing that he could either be wide receiver 8 
or wide receiver 78 that week. This is probably a better week actually to play him in DFS tournaments because he he was pretty popular last week. You know, everyone knew about the Browns secondary injuries. This week, I think everyone's going to be off him. So it probably makes more sense in tournaments. Yeah, we'll get to that tomorrow. But yeah, whether to play him in in full season totally depends on who you have and how much you want to take a shot on the upside. The upside's going to be there. Mark Ingram, fine spot for him. The Steelers are actually down to 20th in run defense DVOA, so it's not a run defense you need to worry about. And Baltimore is moving the ball, and Mark Ingram's their clear leader. Yeah, clear lead, ball carrier, playing well. Um, you know, we know he's not going to do a ton in the passing game, which hurts. We don't expect Baltimore to fall behind here <laughs> at all, maybe. Game flow should help Ingram. He's a, he's a solid play. Yeah, I mean, Baltimore is the favorite in this game, and if Pittsburgh runs its offense like it did on Monday night... <laughs> then they're not going to pull way ahead of anyone unless they score twice on defense. I I can't imagine that we're going to see that offense look exactly the same as it did on Monday night because that's the kind of offense that, like, the first time it runs out there, you can surprise the defense and and get away with it. But the second, third time beyond that, defenses are like, all right, we know how to guard against this now. Yeah, I completely agree. It's going to be interesting to see if Pittsburgh tries to, you know, do something similar again. But we saw it with, you know, Miami – Way back when, when they busted out the Wildcat, that first game against New England, Pats had no answer. Then, mm-hmm. then it sort of faded away after that. So, yeah, I agree. The other note, though, is, you know, it, is this Ravens defense good? I, no. I don't think it is anymore. So, you know, it's it, it's it's not a matchup we need to shy away from, at least for your, you know, elite guys on the Steelers. Yeah, so I, I say that about the offense to say that I would not expect every week to go for Juju Smith-Schuster like Monday night against the Bengals did. He, mm-hmm. he might continue to have games like that because it is Mason Rudolph and not Ben Roethlisberger. And, you know, maybe the coaches will remain overly conservative with Mason Rudolph, but I would not expect things to go that way for him going forward. And I would kind of uncomfortably play yeah. Juju Smith-Schuster going forward. Yeah, I think you stick with him, especially this week again. Um, the Ravens haven't been good against wide receivers. They're 22nd in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wideouts. According to PFF, the... Ravens have allowed the sixth most fantasy points to slot receivers, and Juju's been running about 60% of his routes from the slot, so a good individual matchup for him this week. Yeah, Football Outsiders has Baltimore as the fourth worst defense overall, 25th against the pass, 28th against the run, so they are not a tough matchup. Forget about what you used to know about the Ravens. They are now Lamar Jackson, Marquise Mm -hmm. Brown, and Prey. James Conner missed practice Wednesday on the ankle that he hurt on Monday night. He returned to that game and played through it. So we'll see. I mean, you would have to guess that he'll probably be available, but we're going to have to watch him this week to see. Yeah, he said he's fine. It's It was an ankle the first time, right, back in yeah. week two. So, I mean, that's two ankle was, injuries. So definitely, wasn't it a knee the first time? Um, yeah, it might have been. But, I mean, yeah, two two lower body injuries. We'll go with that for now. So, uh, yeah, something to keep in mind. Jalen Samuels needs to be owned. I would try not to use him this week just because, again, I mean, you know, in week three the guy had zero touches, and then he comes out and they run that Wildcat, and he's super involved last week. So, who knows? We're all just guessing at his role. I would try not to use him, though, because I, I do think the floor is low. If it's PPR, I would have him at least around like running back 30 range, though, yeah. that level of usage. I mean, his stat line from Monday mm-hmm. night, 10 for 26 and a touchdown rushing, 8 for 57 receiving, 3 of 3 passing mm-hmm. for 31 yards. And, of course, his passes are slightly deeper than, I think, Tim Tebow's. Like I said, I wouldn't guess that we get the same offense, but I do think yeah. that we'll probably get plenty of Jalen Samuels involved as a receiver, at least, especially with Vance McDonald still not practicing Wednesday. Yeah, and the, the Ravens, um, 31st in running back coverage, according to Football Outsiders, so another spot the Ravens are struggling so far. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's possible that the Steelers look to get Connor and Samuels going again in the passing game. Maybe we just get Samuels at quarterback throwing to <laughs> Connor and um, Benny Snell. <laughs> 
Not, not Benny Snell. Please, no. <laughs> uh, elsewhere at receiver, Deontay Johnson had six targets, was behind only James Conner and Jalen Samuels last yeah. week, but 43 of his 77 receiving yards came on the, the like the one throw that they let Mason Rudolph make beyond the line of scrimmage in that game. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, still going to want to use Deontay Johnson. At this point, though, I think you have to rank him ahead of James Washington. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster leads the Steelers with 16 targets from Mason Rudolph, but Deontay Johnson's right there with 15. Um, James Washington, only six targets from Rudolph so far. So I guess the whole college rapport thing is, isn't quite hitting yet. Well, Washington, interestingly, also played the most snaps of any Steelers wide receivers in that game. I, I think all of this is still kind of sorting it, sure. its way out. And, of course, the offense, I think, is still being sorted out too. So yeah. don't be surprised if things look a lot different this week over last week. And, you know... The possibility of it looking a lot different doesn't mean play somebody that you wouldn't normally play. It means try not to play the uncertain guys if you can help it, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, again, I mean, Juju and Connor are the only guys I feel good about starting on the Steelers, and I think, you know, Jalen Samuels, Deontay Johnson are fringe options. As I mentioned, Vance McDonald's still not practicing with his shoulder injury. Nick Vanette played 75% of the snaps just within the week where he joined the team, caught both targets for 28 yards. A nice adjustment to make his second catch of that game. Mm-hmm. I would like to say that Nick Vanette is not anybody <laughs> to pay attention to this week, but with some of the tight end decisions going on out there, I mean, I would play him over any of the Texans tight ends or Kyle Rudolph this week. I'd play him over Rudolph. I'd go with the Texans tight ends just because I think that's going to be a shootout. Could be. Well, it's, <laughs> is it a shootout if only one person in it has a gun? <laughs> you don't like the Falcons offense? No, I think the game? Falcons we'll are gunless we'll right now. <laughs> but yeah, we'll get to that game in a few minutes. Jacksonville at Carolina is up next. The Panthers by three and a half at home, over under 41. Not going to be a whole lot of offense in this game, probably, but we'll see. One of those games that could offer a surprising amount of offense, mm-hmm. too. Gardner Minshew, limited Wednesday by a knee issue. Doesn't seem like something we really need to worry about heading into the game, right? No, he was able to finish out that win over the Broncos. You know, led him on the game-winning drive there late. Minshew's been fun. He's he's played well. His fantasy finishes though over the last three weeks: twelfth, nineteenth, and sixteenth. So you know, it, he's if you're desperate, okay. But you know, it's not like he's been crushing it in fantasy. Does a knee injury limit your swag? <laughs> no way. Nothing limits Gardner's swag. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So what should matter in this game more than the knee is that the Panthers sit fourth in pass defense DVOA so far, seventh fewest QB fantasy points allowed, and even that is inflated a bit by what they've allowed on the ground. Kyler Murray rushed for 69 yards against them. Deshaun Watson rushed for a touchdown against them. I mean, if you took that away and just looked at the passing side, Panthers are even tougher against fantasy quarterbacks. So I would not be looking to use Gardner Minshew unless you get swag points this week. If you need a Jaguars receiver, and you know I wouldn't be going out of my way to start any of them, but if you need one, DJ Chark has been good so far. Caught at least four balls in each game. Last week was the first time he didn't score a touchdown, and he was pretty close mm-hmm. to doing even that in the game. Yeah, he's looked really good. I think he, I think he's in you know the weekly wide receiver three discussion now. I do think he should be downgraded in this matchup though. You mentioned Panthers have been good against the pass. James Bradbury has been very good as their top corner. You know, there's a chance he shadows DJ Chark in this game. The Panthers have allowed the second fewest yards per game to opposing number one wide receiver, so not a great spot for Chark. Who would you play between Chark and Marquise Brown? Oh, Brown. Yeah, that's what I was leaning to. I mean, to. Chark might have a higher floor, but I don't think it's much higher, and I think Brown has the, the higher ceiling in these matchups. Yeah, and I mean, I certainly wouldn't be surprised if Chark outscores yeah. Marquise Brown, but that would be my lean if I'm deciding between them as well. Leonard Fournette is an always play for volume, so we're probably not going to talk about him too much in these previews. Panthers side, Jacksonville 
I kind of like the Ravens, not to the same depth, but 21st in overall defensive DVOA, 18th against the pass, 23rd against the run. So the Jaguars are not a worrisome matchup for your offensive fantasy players right now. So Kyle Allen can be an option if you need him. I, I still don't I still don't want to have him be my quarterback, but yeah. if you need to go to that level, he's okay. And then DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Greg Olson are all fine. Yeah, I play Kyle Allen over Gardner Minshew this week. Yeah. Allen had the three fumbles last week, which really cost Carolina. But outside of that, I thought he threw the ball pretty well. Yeah, I don't think he played much differently than he did in that Arizona game. So he looked pretty solid. You know, again, just two-game two sample size. But Curtis Samuel with 14 targets over the past two weeks, just seven for DJ Moore. Curtis Samuel still getting more air yards. Almost had a couple big gains in that game against uh, Houston last week. So, yeah, if you're deciding between the Panthers wideouts, I would give Samuel the slight edge. And at least one of those would have been a touchdown if they had connected too. So, yeah, like the upside for Samuel. It's a good spot for the Panthers, D. We already covered that on the Monday podcast. Yep. Buffalo at Tennessee in the game I definitely don't want to watch this week. <laughs> Titans by three, an over-under of 38.5. The Titans just went on the road and held the Falcons to 10 points in their place. Josh Allen is in the concussion protocol right now. We'll see if he makes it back for the game. I think basically if you need John Brown, then John Brown's okay. And otherwise there's not a whole lot to say about the Bills. Yeah, I think John Brown's a weekly fantasy starter. I mean, I think last week the toughest matchup he'll see all season um, against the Patriots went five catches, 69 yards on 11 targets. 23% target share for John Brown through four weeks. He's seventh among all wide receivers in air yards. So, you know, the matchup isn't great. But I think, you know, Brown is, is fine sticking with, sticking with as a wide receiver three. He's like a more consistent Marquise Brown right yes. now. Yep. Dawson Knox, I will mention for Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Not a guy that I'm putting pushing into the top 12, but he's a streaming option and a streaming option who could turn into a regular option. The Titans come into this one rated tough in coverage against both number one and number two wide receivers, according to Football Outsiders. 29th, though, in tight end coverage. They just allowed a huge game to Austin Hooper. Each of the previous three Tennessee opponents scored touchdowns to their tight end. So Dawson Knox is a solid option if a four to five target tight end makes sense for you this week. Yeah, I think he's right around the um, top 12 in our tight end rankings, which is, I think, where he belongs. Just with this matchup, um, he's seeing an increased role. Season high, 68% route rate for Dawson Knox last week. So he's playing well. He deserves to see more action. And again, like you said, with... The wide receivers facing tough matchups. We could see a bit more action pushed towards Knox in this game. And Tyler Croft is cursing that stupid foot that he broke in the <laughs> preseason. On the Titans side, Delaney Walker, he played last week, and he had no injury designation heading into the game. But he missed practice Wednesday and Thursday with a knee issue, and then played a season-low 31% of the snaps, saw just two targets. Johnny Smith played a season-high snap share. We've got Delaney Walker again not practicing this Wednesday, so I have no idea what to make of the knee. I don't know if the knee limited him last week. I would assume that it did based on what happened to him in the game, and we'll have to watch to see whether it's some change in how they want to deploy their tight ends as opposed to the knee limiting him. Yeah, um, I would try not to use Walker this, if, this week if you can help it. Beyond the knee stuff, the matchup's not good. Bills are fifth in football outsiders tight end coverage. They're first in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. They, the only real test they faced was Evan Ingram, um, but they held him to six catches for 48 yards on eight targets. Marcus Mariota? Nah. I can never get that guy. I can't get this Titans offense right. I mean, they, they look so bad in week three against Jacksonville. Then they come out against Atlanta and they do what they did. So 
The Falcons are terrible. No, yeah. That's so, the Falcons yeah. are terrible. Yeah, and the Bills' defense is good. So, yeah, it, it's it's a no on Mariota. Yeah, I agree. I think both defenses are in play here. I think if I were doing a DFS showdown for this game, I would probably <laughs> play both defenses. I would play Derrick Henry, too. I mean, he's obviously starting for folks, but it should be a big game for him. Um, the Titans' home favorites. The Bills, 25th in football outsiders' run D, and Pro Football Focus has them 23rd in run defense. Derrick Henry's going to carry 32 times in this Probably, game. Probably, yeah. So absolutely start him. <laughs> On to Chicago against Oakland in London. The Bears are five-point favorites. I don't know what the exchange rate is on that. Over-under 40.5, so another one where there should not be a lot of offense. Mitchell Trubisky is still out with his shoulder injury, so we at least don't have to worry about showing that to the British. Mm-hmm. Taylor Gabriel is not out of the concussion protocol yet. Chase Daniel played most of last week's game after Trubisky got hurt. 22 of 30 passing, 6.5 average depth of target, bottom third of the league for week four. But last year he was at 8.4, so it's not necessarily uh, something we should expect from him going forward, you know, if you're concerned for the Bears wideouts. Did you see PFF graded Daniels the second best quarterback in uh, week four? I might have seen so, that. Yeah, so they liked the performance. Uh, so we got two starts from Daniel last year. He finished those weeks QB 18 and QB 19. Um, this matchup's good, though, obviously, against Oakland. They're 20th in football, 27th in football outsiders' pass defense rankings, 28th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterback. So in a two-quarterback league, I like Chase Daniel. I think in deeper one-quarterback league. Like, Daniel's in, right in the mix for me, with Kyle Allen and Gardner Minshew. I was going to say, Chase Daniel is Kyle Allen with worse weapons. Um, yeah, yeah, that's about right. And those weapons are, he had seven targets for Allen Robinson last week to lead the way. Otherwise, he had three players tied with five targets, David Montgomery, Tariq Cohen, and Javon Wims. Yeah. I mean, Allen Robinson and David Montgomery are basically the only guys I'm really looking to fantasy-wise here. Yeah, I don't know if Anthony Miller's still hurt, hurt but you know, even with Gabriel out last week, Miller played behind Javon Wims. So, you know, Miller droppable at this point. A-Rob a fine start. He's getting the usage. He's PPR wide receiver 33. He hasn't scored a touchdown yet, though. So, you know, I think he's been better than he scored so far. Really should be David Montgomery breakout week, I think. <laughs> really I mean, he's be. getting the opportunities, and he has the matchup here. The Raiders allowing 4.3 yards per carry to running back. And they just lost Montez Perfect. I mean, the guy's an a-hole, but he's also still, you know, maybe their best linebacker. And a starting defensive end, Clellan Farrell, is in the concussion protocol. Might not play in this game. Plus, I mean, David Montgomery sounds like a player that <laughs> oh, yeah. should deliver in the London game. Yep. His playing times climbed every week, 21-plus opportunities in two of three, 21 carries, five targets last week against the Vikings. It should be a David Montgomery day. If you have him, it's your time. It should be. Trey Burton, his playing time stagnated 60%, 58% the past two games. He was more like a 75 to 85% player last year. Yeah. Full practice Wednesday. He put in full practices Wednesday and Thursday last week before a limited Friday. So, you know, maybe he's rounding back into shape. Maybe we'll get more from Trey Burton going forward, but he hasn't yet climbed into the top 12, even with all of the issues at tight end. Yeah, 66 and 68% route rates for Trey Burton. So decent numbers. He's seen four targets in each of the last two games. The matchup's good. The Raiders are 28th in football outsiders tight end coverage, 27th in adjusted fantasy points allowed. I'd rank Burton just behind Dawson Knox. I at least have more optimism going forward with Trey Burton than I do for Jared Cook before Drew Brees gets back. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I I agree. On the Oakland side, Tyrell Williams dealing with a foot injury. Kind of hope that he is not active for this game so we don't have to decide whether to play him. And the Bears, of course, third in in overall defensive efficiency, sixth against the pass, third against the run. I'm trying not to use any Raider not named Darren Waller. I was going to say, Waller is a weekly starter just based on the volume. He's tied for second among tight ends with 37 targets. I would try not to use Josh Jacobs here. Um, You know, we've seen him 
sort of disappear when the game script doesn't go in Oakland's favor. And, and like you said, the matchup is tough. Um, the Bears have limited opposing running backs to just 3.1 yards per carry. No running back has topped 54 rushing yards against the Bears yet. Tampa Bay at New Orleans. The Saints are three-point favorites. I would not bet them. Over under 46 and a half here. Chris Godwin, no practice Wednesday with his hip issue. He didn't practice last Wednesday. He didn't practice last Thursday. Well, then he went out and had a huge game, so I wouldn't be too concerned yeah. here. Yeah, I benched Godwin and made too many <laughs> leagues last week. I won't make that mistake again. He, he looks completely fine out in the field. Obviously, he had the monster game. Good matchup here, too. I mean, Mike Evans is going to deal, deal with Marshawn Lattimore. We'll talk about him, whether he's good or, or not good. Not good I, this I, year. I still can't. Well, he was good against Amari Cooper. Bad ankle. Week. But Godwin in the slot. Um, the Saints have allowed the third most fantasy points to slot receivers. So I, I like Godwin over Evans this week. Oh, yeah, if you're making that decision. If you are, I mean, you, you've DFS, got a pretty yeah, good I mean, team going. Yeah. DFS. Jameis Winston, according to Pro Football Focus, he has he leads the league in highest percentage of positively graded throws so far this season. So forget what you used to know about Jameis Winston. <laughs> He's now uh, a dependable quarterback. Saints are the third most positive QB matchup, according to our strength of schedule adjustments. I'm playing Winston over anybody that I realistically have rostered along with him this season. Tried to even argue him a little higher in our QB rankings. I, I think he's a strong play this week. Yeah, definitely a strong play. The Saints defense looked good against Dak Prescott past week, but they struggled the first three weeks. I think they're probably somewhere in between what they showed you know, those, those first three weeks and against Dak in week four. Ronald Jones <laughs> looks like he should be the lead back. Bruce Arian says he wants to keep the one-two punch. Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber alternated series in the first half last week. Then Ronald Jones took over in the second half. And, and I don't have the, those numbers in front of me, but he took almost all of the carries in the second half. Looked good. Probably had his best game as a buck last week and lost a couple of nice-sized plays to penalties. Yeah, long-term, I'm high on Ronald Jones. I don't love him in this spot, though. Um, you know, On the road, they are underdogs. I, I do think the Bucks can keep this game close. But this, the Saints run D, so Football Outsiders has them 15th. PFF has them second, though, um, and over the last three weeks, they've held, the Saints have held Todd Gurley, Chris Carson, and Zeke Elliott to a combined 3.1 yards per carry. Yeah, I mean, each of the, the Seattle game, they jumped way ahead, and Chris Carson basically didn't play the second half. The Sunday night was weird. Honestly, that struck me as a game that It was happens. a dud. It was a dud from Dallas. Yeah, I don't think that's a game that we're going to see repeated very often. I, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say I feel good about Ronald Jones. Yeah. I feel better about him being like 24th in my rankings than I normally would. Normally, I'd be like, I don't know about Ronald Jones there. But now I'm like, yeah, okay, Ronald Jones is fine, 24. Yeah, he's, he's fine. On the other side, I mean, nothing but Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas. Yep. Um, you know, tough, tough matchup for Alvin Kamara. The, the Bucks are first in Football Outsiders and PFF's run defense rankings. But, you know, Kamara can do it in the passing game. You're obviously starting him. You know, maybe not someone to pat for in DFS this no, week. No, definitely not. Um, and then, yeah, Michael Thomas, the only pass catcher we can trust. I, I think that Alvin Kamara is probably not ever a guy to pay up for nat right now with mm. Teddy Bridgewater in there. I mean, he certainly paid off if you did it in Seattle. Yeah. I just think that's going to be an exception rather than what Alvin Kamara can do, especially as defenses get even more used to the Teddy Bridgewater offense, which just not does not <laughs> go very far down the field. Yeah. yeah, I think the ultimate ceiling with Kamara is probably lower without Breeze, but right. it does seem like his volume projection has probably gotten a bit of a boost. So. Mm. Atlanta at Houston. Texans are five-point home favorites and over-under of 49, and the Falcons are pretty easy to figure out right now. You play Matt Ryan and Julio Jones basically – Julio Jones every week, Matt Ryan basically every week. Calvin Ridley and Mohamed Sanu are in the wide receiver three mix every week. Ridley 
is probably the better player at this point, but he has also topped six targets just once this year. Mm -hmm. He's seen only a 13% target share. Mohamed Sanu has seen eight more targets for the season. So Mohamed Sanu is probably the better PPR bet at this point. He's definitely the safer PPR bet. I I think Ridley has the higher upside, just the type of player he is, how the Falcons use him. He's already shown it this season in those uh, big weeks one and two. Ridley's playing time hasn't changed. Um, mm-hmm. you know, he's playing about 75% of the snaps, running around on about 85% of Ryan's dropback. It's just the volatility that comes with, with you know the wide receiver position in general, I think. You know, Ridley mm-hmm. saw an 18% target share in the first two games, just an 8% target share in the last two, despite you know being on the field the same amount of time. So I, I do think it's going to swing back towards Ridley eventually, and this is obviously a good spot for him in what should be a shootout. I would hope that there aren't too many people out there that have the play Ridley or Sanu <laughs> right. decision to make, because that's that would be annoying, honestly. I mean, and it depends who else you have, obviously, but I think you, you could play them both. This yeah. Game. I, I like both guys. Yeah, I certainly think both are in play. Austin Hooper is an every-week play. Yep. Devontae Freeman is a reluctant starter at this point. Ito Smith replaced him for their one goal line possession last week, got the touchdown. But those two carries on that particular possession were his only two carries of the yeah. game. Yeah, I, I still don't know if Ito Smith's the goal line back. Like it, yeah. you know, through you know what, three games of, of Ito Smith being healthy, it looks like he is, but I'm not ready to say that for sure. Right. Um, they only have, I think, three total yeah. carries inside the five yard line. They've all been Ito Smith's, yeah. but you know, three of them. That's yeah. not enough for us to judge it. Yeah, I mean, Devontae Freeman hasn't scored a touchdown. That that's going to change. I think he's a pretty good touchdown bet <laughs> in this spot. Um, he's he's 17th among running backs in total opportunities on the season. So you know, he's getting RB2 usage. Um, this matchup's fine. Texans are 13th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs, allowing 4.5 yards per carry. I don't believe in the Falcons right now, but I, you know, kind of have to use Devontae Freeman. And you, there's maybe they show me some reason to believe in them, but I, I just don't right now. On the Houston side, Kenny Stills still dealing with his hamstring and ankle issues. Not still, he's dealing with hamstring and ankle issues coming out of last week's game. Mm-hmm. But he did put in a limited practice Wednesday. I was a bit surprised to see that he's already back on the field. He's going to need to be out of the game for Kiki QT to make any sense. I know. I wanted to at least use Kiki in DFS and maybe even in deeper PPR leagues. I agree, though. If Steels is active, you can't. If Steels is out, though, I think, you know, Kiki, it's it's a good spot for the Texans' offense in general. He's going to get Demonte KZ in the slot, who's allowed 10 catches on 13 targets for 99 yards and a touchdown this season. So a fine individual matchup for QT. And he's a guy we were excited about in the summer. I mean, I think... If he's going to get the playing time, he, he has big upside. Yeah, we'd need that playing time, though. And overall, it's a it's a get-right spot for the Houston pass offense. So I would be looking to play Houston players here if, you know, yeah. if I'm making decisions. Yeah, stick with Will Fuller. You know, he's sort of like Marquise Brown. You know, mm-hmm. the big games are going to come. So the reason I like Houston's pass offense, especially in this spot, is we know pressure has been the problem for Deshaun Watson, but Atlanta's 25th in the league in sacks. They're 26th in the league in adjusted sack, right, according to Football Outsiders. So I think Watson should have a bit more time in this game than he's had the previous few weeks. Well, and Watson's issue has been more holding the ball too long than it is the protection up front because his pressure rate's not all that bad. Mm. The weak secondary of Atlanta should help players come open a little bit more quickly in this game, and maybe that helps Watson get rid of the ball before – uh, pressure does get to him. Atlanta is seventh in run defense so far and the seventh worst matchup by our adjusted fantasy points allowed. So, you know, maybe Houston also 
doesn't get the running game going in this one, and that motivates a little bit more passing. Yeah, I think this is the, the spot for the Texans passing game. You mentioned the Falcons' run defense being better than even I had realized since yeah. I started digging into this matchup. So, you know, Carlos Hyde, the volume's been okay. I mean, he has double-digit carries in every game. That's, you know, more than you can say for a lot of running backs. So I think it puts him in the mix. I think he's a decent touchdown bat in this game just because I do expect the Texans to score a bunch of points. Yeah, I was I was all set to talk up Carlos mm-hmm. Hyde a little bit, and I was looking at the run defense yeah. more and realizing, oh, it's actually uh, – solidly tough matchup. I think Carlos Hyde is basically the exact same player as Ronald Jones this week. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd even, I might lean towards Hyde even just with this team, the home, the home favorite with a higher implied total. I only said that to make you say (laughs) that you would play Hyde. I think that's the first time this year. Duke Johnson, by the way, the Falcons aren't giving up catches of running backs like they have in, in past years. They've actually allowed the fewest receiving yards through four weeks and the ninth fewest catches. So another guy who I was like, oh, this, maybe this is a Duke Johnson game, but when you dig into the numbers, you know, it might not be as good of a matchup as it has been in the past few years. I'm glad it's not because I would <laughs> fall for that worm yeah. in the water and they're not the Houston's not playing Duke Johnson enough yeah. to capitalize on it. So yeah, I, I'm gonna wait until Duke Johnson does something before I start getting excited again. Yep. We mentioned the Houston tight ends, you know, hope that you don't have to look this deep, but if you do, Darren Fells again played more snaps than Jordan Aikens, but most of that difference was in run blocking. Mm-hmm. He only ran two more routes than Jordan Aikens. Aikens saw four targets to one for Darren Fells. And for the season, Aikens leads 14 targets to 11. So yeah. if you need one of them, I would go Jordan Aikens. Yep, me too. Um, just a flyer, though, obviously. But again, mm-hmm. you know, we do think Houston's going to put up points here. So not, not the worst flyer at the tight end position. Right. New England at Washington up next. A one-team game. Patriots are 15-point road favorites. The over-under is 42. That means Washington is implied for 13.5 points. <laughs> And I wouldn't even feel comfortable betting on them <laughs> to get to that. On the New England side, I mean, you play them all. I would like to avoid their running backs, though, if you can, mm-hmm. because Sony Michelle is still, you know, limited. And I, I don't know if Rex Burkhead's going to play more than he did yeah. last week. Yeah, um, I'll be watching Burkhead's practice participation. I mean, I, I think the foot limited him. Um, you know, Sonny Michelle saw another 17 carries last week, didn't <laughs> do a whole lot with them. The Redskins are actually decent against the run. Mm-hmm. Um, Football Outsiders has them 17th. PFF actually has them seventh giving up just 4.2 yards per carry to running back so not not excited about michelle but i i'd still play michelle over carlos hyde and and ronald jones (sighs) touchdown upset i mean i honestly if i had that choice to make (laughs) i would put all their name i'd probably put all their names in a hat and pick one out or i would ask whichever child of mine was sitting next to me which one i should play and they would probably say that sony michelle was the most fun name there you go don't be surprised if we get a pass-heavy approach like Chicago had against Washington two weeks ago where we were all expecting a bunch of David Montgomery touches and they didn't come until late in the game. Yep. Love Brady, obviously. Love Edelman. Love Gordon. I think Philip Dorsett's even in play here. Um, in the three games without Antonio Brown, he's seen 17% of the Patriots' target, which is a pretty nice number. And we're getting Ben Watson back this yep. week. Curious to see what he does. I, not playing him the mm-hmm. first time out, but that said, I mean, if I'm looking down to where I'm considering Nick Vanette or Jordan Akins, I would probably go ahead with Benjamin Watson because I think there's a bigger long-term ceiling for him. So I would like to have him on my roster, knowing that all of those guys are probably going to catch two passes this yep. week. Yeah, I would start Watson over Vernet. I think Watson and Akins are pretty similar. But yeah, I think if unless you're set at tight end, I think Watson is a good guy to at least stash right now. 
On the Washington side, I'll just say that Terry McLaurin was at limited at practice on Wednesday. I think that probably bodes well for his return. I would still try not to use him, uh, no matter how much yeah. he gets my heart pounding. I would play DJ Chark over Terry McLaurin this week, for example. Yeah, I would too. And you know, even beyond the hamstring, it's the matchup is to find yeah. more likely shadowing him. Um, the Patriots are fourth in coverage against number one wide receivers, according to Football Outsiders. And do we even know yet who's going to play quarterback for Washington this week? We don't. That's what I thought. <laughs> Arizona at Cincinnati. The Bengals are three-point favorites, which Arizona should have on a bulletin board, on all the bulletin boards. <laughs> Over-under is 47.5. Christian Kirk hurt an ankle late in the Seattle game. He's not expected to play in this one, but it apparently doesn't look as bad as the team feared it might have been early on. I was excited about this game until you know we lost Christian Kirk. We lost Demir Bird. We <laughs> lost John Ross on the other side. It's still an interesting game because you know th- these teams – are first and twelfth in situation neutral pace, so they both play pretty fast. They're also seventh and fifth in situation neutral pass rate, so they're two pass heavy teams. So you add it all up, and I think you're going to get a lot of plays here. I think both passing games could be productive, but again, I think the the loss of those wide receivers sort of dings the upside on both passing games. Yeah, I mean, some dudes are going to play more for the Cardinals, but the injury outlooks, I think, primarily just help the target outlooks for Larry Fitzgerald and yeah. David Johnson. Keyshawn Johnson saw only a slight playing time boost last week with Demir Bird out. Only saw three targets among Kyler Murray's 32 attempts, tied with Trent Sherfield for fourth on the team. So I'm not looking to play Keyshawn Johnson unless I'm in like a 16-team league. Andy Isabella played eight snaps last <laughs> week, so he's not a factor yet. Yeah. Even Larry Fitzgerald sat out Wednesday, but it was just a rest day. Yeah, I mean, I think unfortunately Fitz is the only guy we can trust. Yeah, I think one of those other wideouts will probably have a nice game, but guessing which one it's going to be is, is pretty much impossible. Um, I, I think we're going to see even more passing game action final to David Johnson here too. Outside of that Ravens game, he's gone 7, 9, and 11 targets. Kyler Murray, it's a solid spot, obviously. The Bengals are a positive matchup. They're not top five, but they're positive. He needs to show that he can produce beyond the bottom of fantasy starter territory, though, before I'm going to boost him way up. And uh, the wide receiver injuries here that we just mentioned certainly don't help. Yeah, Kyler's now finished between 14th and 18th in fantasy points every week of the season, so he hasn't been killing it. He hasn't shown a ceiling yet, though. This is obviously a spot for it, probably the best matchup he's had all year. Football Outsiders has... The Bengals 31st in pass defense DVOA. Um, the Bengals too. Another spot where sort of like with Deshaun Watson, I think you know Kyler Murray may, might face a bit less pressure here. Bengals are just 22nd in adjusted sack rate. And Kyler Murray, similar to Deshaun Watson, I'm not as familiar with Watson's numbers, but Kyler Murray has not actually faced a high pressure rate this season. He's been sacked quite a bit, but he hasn't. He has not been among the top of the league in pressure rate to this point. So if he can get rid of the ball, mm-hmm. he'll be in better shape. Andy Dalton on the other side, a great spot for him. I was about to say I would start Andy Dalton over Kyler Murray, and I probably would if I were making the decision. It's not something that I would ever feel great about doing, but the Cardinals are the fifth best QB matchup by our adjusted fantasy points allowed so far. We got no John Ross, as you mentioned. He's on IR with a right shoulder injury. Alden Tate is the new number two, 10 and six targets over the past two weeks. So Dalton, um, I, I did like him over... Kyler Murray before he lost John Ross. Now I think I'd lean Kyler Murray. But yeah, still a great spot for Dalton. Russell Wilson last week was the first quarterback not to finish top six against the Cardinals. And that was just because Russell Wilson didn't have to throw the ball. So decent spot for Dalton, I think, you know, especially in DFS. He's interesting. Same thing with Auden Tate. DFS option at a cheap price tag. He'd already seen 16 targets over the last two games. Um, he was an in- interesting guy, too, coming out of Florida State. Tested horribly, like like first percentile spark. Um, but he, he's a big guy, 6'5", 228 pounds. And I, I think 
even at Florida State, and especially with the Bengals over the last two weeks, he, he, he hasn't looked like some, you know, sloth out there. I think he, he looks like an NFL wide receiver, so definitely an, an interesting guy this week, and even going forward, because, you know, Ross is on IR, and A.J. Green looks like he's at least a few weeks away still. Right, he's like in the Kelvin Benjamin mode, where he's not somebody who excites you, but he's big, and he can <laughs> yeah. he can move. Uh, as you said, and as I said, 10 and 6 targets the past two games, so I was, you know, set to say Adam Tate's a DFS guy, but I think he's in play among, you know, the top 45 yeah. wide receivers, uh, you know, exactly where he slots in there will depend on what you have. But 62.5% catch rate over the past two weeks, 13.8 yards per catch. He's playing nearly every snap already. A solid option in this game against what's been a really bad Arizona secondary. That's now yep. replacing one of its safeties. Yep. And... Speaking of replacing that safety, I think Tyler Eifert is also more interesting with the John Ross injury. You know, it's still going to be volatile, but he's seen five-plus targets in three or four games so far. He's run 25 more routes than C.J. Uzama mm-hmm. on the year, 19 more than Joe Mixon, despite playing 32 mm-hmm. fewer snaps overall, which is disappointing for Mixon, but we'll get to him in a minute. Arizona did dump uh, D.J. Swearinger, who has been the main culprit in giving up yardage and points to tight ends, but... That means they're replacing him this week with some dude who couldn't beat out DJ Swearinger before right. this point. It's either going to be journeyman Chris Banjo, who has two starts over seven NFL seasons. This is his seventh NFL season. Or a rookie. They got Deontay Thompson in round five. Then they got Jalen Thompson in the supplemental draft at a round five pick level. So it's not like they have this sword that they're about to unsheath and stab into opposing tight ends it should still be a positive matchup I think it's partly scheme too I mean I remember Vance Joseph's Broncos defense is struggling against tight ends too so I yeah I think it's still going to be a good matchup for for tight ends um the Cardinals have allowed a top two tight end in all four weeks of the season it's just amazing um and Eifert you know his routes run have been trending up you know he was below 50 percent the first two weeks the last two weeks he's gone 63 percent 54 percent so I don't like Eifert as much as we liked Will Disley last mm-hmm. week, but you know he's not far behind. Yeah, like any other tight end in this spot would be top seven. Eifert's like, okay, maybe you're 13. Yep. Joe Mixon, I don't know why he's not getting targeted more. I don't know why he's not more part of the pass offense. It was spread around Monday night. There were six Bengals who saw either five or six targets in that game. Mixon was one of those. You know, we'll take him in that range, but I don't see why he's not... Yeah, I'm not I'm trying to even th- I don't see why he's not like David Johnson level involved in this passing yeah. game. Yeah, still just 42% route rate for Mixon last week. I, I know they used Gio Bernard in like the hurry up two minute drill at the end of the first half and at the end of the game. You know, that, that hurts Mixon longer term, but th- this is a good spot for him, obviously, at home. The Bengals favorites. Cardinals 24th in football outsiders run D. 28th in PFF's run D ranking. So the best spot Mixon has seen so far this season. Use them both. Use both Joe Mixon and Gio Bernard. You don't have to yeah, decide between now, them. Yeah, right. right. Especially yeah. when you're starting Damian Willis and Alden Tate <laughs> and other guys that you just created in Madden. Yeah. Jets at Eagles. Eagles are 13.5 point favorites, 43.5 over under. I think both of those numbers probably change if Sam Darnold yeah. returns to play in this game. Adam Gase says that we won't know about that until later in the week when we get our next round of spleen checks and blood work done on Sam Darnold. I'm not expecting him to play. As of, I think it was Monday, he still hadn't been cleared for contact. And, you know, the, the Jets can't rush this. You know, I think they should give it another week. So I expect it to be. Luke Falk, which unfortunately I think makes the Jets wide receivers unusable despite the matchup. 
Yeah, definitely. I don't think you can use anything besides Le'Veon Bell as long as Luke Falk is the quarterback there. And even Bell, tough matchup. The Eagles have been great against the run, but you know Bell's still going to get his 8 to 12 targets, so he'll be okay. Yeah, he's going to have 15 rushing yards. <laughs> he will have 15 targets. He will catch 11 of them for like 21 yards. Yeah, something like that. And it'll be a terrific PPR day for you. <laughs> Chris Herndon's not playing in this game, but he returns from his four-game suspension next week, so I would say stash him now if you're the one listening when we start talking about the Houston and tight ends and Nick Bennett. <laughs> yes, definitely stash Herndon. I think the entire Jets offense is a buy too with Darnold coming back. Like I think Le'Veon Bell, the usage has been unbelievable. The production has been just okay. I think he he might be viable. And I think Robbie Anderson and Jameson Crowder, they might be on waiver wires in a lot of leagues, but I think you know once Darnold's back that those guys are gonna pop. Yeah, and Darnold's close even if it doesn't come this week. Right. So I agree. I would certainly stash any of those and look into the price if you're looking for a cheap wide receiver with upside. On the Eagles side, you play everyone. I mean, the obvious guys are in play. Alshon Jeffries all the way back to health now. Yep, off the injury report, so you're playing Alshon. I think you can even play Nelson Aguilar still. You know, he obviously dudded last week. We knew it was a tough matchup against the Packers, but he still played 90% of the snaps. And the Jets have allowed the eighth most fantasy points to slot receivers. And they've played the run decently tough Mm -hmm. to this point. Not a, a matchup to avoid, but also not a matchup that's waiting to explode. We'll see. Jordan Howard, I think, is in low RB2 territory. I will play him mostly because I believe that the Eagles will score plenty of points, and even if he doesn't have a big rushing day, it looks like he's probably going to be the first guy in at the goal line. I don't know that he's going to be the goal line back, but between him and Miles Sanders, I think he's more likely to get that stuff. Yeah, Yeah, they were using Sanders as the primary goal line back the first two weeks, but over the last... Two weeks now, it's been Howard with five carries inside the five-yard line to just one for Miles Sanders. And Howard's been converting those, so I do think they might as well stick with him. This I think Howard and Sanders are both in play just because the Eagles are such big favorites, big implied total. There should be a lot of running from them in the second half. Yeah, and it hasn't been Howard replacing Sanders at the goal line. They do a lot of alternating. It's, they even alternate within series, so it's not like some of the other backfields where it's this guy's turn and then this yeah. guy's turn. They... We'll switch them during the series. So I, I don't think that they have a goal line favorite right now, but I think after the Green Bay game, we have to lean toward Jordan Howard as the likely lead back here. I would not play Jordan Howard over, and certainly not Miles Sanders, over either of the Chargers running backs. Mm-hmm. Probably would play him over Wayne Gallman in non-PPR, though, for the scoring. Yeah, I'm taking Gallman there just for the volume certainty, but they're definitely close. I mean, they're they're in that range with guys like Gallman and, and mm-hmm. Carlos Hyde and Ronald Jones. Yeah, for sure. And it's basically a coin flip there because it's going to depend who gets the touchdown chances. Yep. Targets so far, by the way, Miles Sanders 10 for the season, uh, Jordan Howard 9, so pretty even. Denver at the Chargers. The Chargers are 6.5 point favorites, 44.5 over under. Melvin Gordon we finally get to see for the first time, most likely. (laughs) Denver D has been bad overall, allowing the 6th most PPR points to running backs, even with a league low in receptions. So just 11 receptions allowed to running backs so far. I don't believe that that is a nod to Denver's defense being tough on running backs in coverage. I think we will still get completions to charges running backs in this game. I think what it is more so is uh, it makes them a target defense for running backs. Yeah, it's interesting. Football Outsiders says the Broncos 28th in running back coverage. So <laughs> it seems like teams just haven't been attacking their right. running back coverage yet. I think I think the Chargers will in this game. I know they will in this game, especially with 
their wide receiver injuries, you know, Mike Williams and Travis Benjamin, they both both were limited Wednesday, so I think they have a chance to play. But I think you start Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon this week. I agree. If you have to choose between one of them for some reason, I think you're going to have to watch like right yeah. up until Sunday morning for reports from the team about how they're going to be used. Yeah, that seems like something we'll get like Sunday morning from like Rappaport or right. Pelissera, one of those guys. Uh, as of now, I probably lean Eckler just because I think. It's a safer bet he sees, you know, at least, I don't know, half of the work where Gordon, I think, is is more volatile as far as how much of the work he's going to see. Yeah, but we're definitely going to have to watch that because Anthony Lynn said, oh, Melvin Gordon, when he's when he's ready, right. he's going to be the lead back. Yep. Mike Williams, limited Wednesday. Travis Benjamin, limited Wednesday. Dontrell Inman's on IR. So yeah. that only helps the outlook for both running backs. Yeah, I do think Mike Williams will be interesting if he's healthy because I think Chris Harris will shadow Keenan Allen in this spot. And, you know, Denver doesn't have much else to worry about in the secondary. On the Denver side, what do you have? <laughs> I mean, there, there's more to like than you'd think. Of. I mean, we're not starting Joe Flacco, obviously, even though it's a decent matchup. And Flacco did have... A nice game last week, but that, that was his first finish inside the top 18 quarterback. So. Yeah, he stinks. We have more than yeah. enough evidence to <laughs> prove that right, at this so, point. Yeah, sorry for wasting your time there. Um, <laughs> Manuel Sanders and Cortland Sutton, I think they're both in the mix. I prefer Sanders this week. The Chargers have used Casey Hayward to shadow bigger receivers generally, and, and they did use him against Cortland Sutton last season. So I think Sutton has a tougher matchup here. So I think Sanders is the preferred play. I think Sutton's still in the wide receiver three discussion. Yeah, Desmond King has been tough at times in the slot. I didn't check his numbers so far this year. I don't well, think he's doing quite as well. Yeah, and Sanders is playing more on the outside this oh, year. Yeah, with, um, not playing with, three uh, yeah, and when they do, I think it's been Deshaun Hamilton in the slot more than okay. Sanders. So. All right, so yeah, no no big concern for Sanders there. And any reason, I mean, he hurt a knee at some point during that game, right? But no concern since then? I think he was limited Wednesday, and he's been limited through most of the season here in practice, so I think he should be okay, but we'll keep an eye on it. It was a worrisome-looking play yeah, where he grabbed it immediately, and it seemed like it was bent you know, a little farther than it than it should be. So we'll watch that, but if he's yeah. on the practice field, we should assume that Emmanuel Sanders is going to play. And, I mean, the running backs are you know in play at their usual yeah. level right at the bottom of running back two territory with the other guys that we've been tossing into a hat. Yep, pretty good matchup for Lindsey and Freeman. Um, the Chargers are 21st in football outsiders run D. They're 25th in football outsiders running back coverage. So, you know, Freeman and Lindsey have both been pretty involved in the passing game. The other guy, too, Noah Fan. I think he's in the mix, you know, if you're looking for a spot starter at tight end. Um, you know, his, his usage has sort of been steady. He's running routes on about 60 to 70% of Flacco's dropbacks. Still hasn't topped five targets in a game, but he's you know he's seen four or five in three of the four games. And the Chargers are 23rd in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight end, so pretty good matchup for Fant. Yeah, and the four or five targets is the range we were talking about with Dawson Knox where, and yep. Tyler Eifert, <laughs> where that gets you in the Jason mix. Witten, yeah. yeah, it gets you in the mix just outside of top 12. Yep. Green Bay at Dallas. The Cowboys are three-and-a-half-point favorites. It's a 46-and-a-half over-under. Devontae Adams mm. is probably out with his turf toe, but yeah. the Packers are holding out hope, quote-unquote, that he's going to be able to play. I mean, as a fantasy owner, I think you have to hope that he's not playing so that you don't have to decide whether to play Devontae Adams. Plus, if it's a game-time decision, the 425 Eastern time kickoff makes it a bigger pain than it would otherwise be. Yeah, I'd be surprised if he plays. Turf toes are tough. I know um, Dr. Chow says he thinks it's probably a multi-week injury, so I would bank on Adams not playing. That obviously helps Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I think it especially helps Geronimo Allison. He's only been playing, you know, he's been playing less than half of the Packers off of the snaps because Green Bay's just not using three wide receivers very much, and he's their third wideout. But with Adams out, Allison will jump up to number two on the depth chart. You know, he'll play 70 to 80% of the snaps. Allison was good last year when he, you know, those first four games, he was in that number two wide receiver role, averaged 7.3 targets per game, 4.8 catches, 72 yards, half a touchdown per game. 
Um, you know, this matchup's pretty tough. The Cowboys are pretty good against the pass, but I think, you know, Allison, as a full-time player with Aaron Rodgers, I think I think he's a wide receiver three option this week. Yeah, Dallas slightly above league average, both against the pass and the run. And, you know, it's an okay spot. It's a spot where I'm not expecting huge things. I wouldn't go out of my way to play them, but all of yeah. those guys are options, and you know, including Jimmy Graham. Yeah. There remains plenty of talk about how he's not the old Jimmy Graham, but we didn't head into the yeah. season expecting him to be the old Jimmy Graham. So having Devontae Adams likely out, helps the target outlook in a matchup that's been at least slightly positive for tight ends. Yeah, it's it, you know Dallas has been an easier matchup for tight ends and wide receivers at least. They're um, 21st in football outsiders tight end coverage. They're actually 29th in adjusted fantasy points allowed. Dallas gave up that big game to, to Evan Ingram in week one. They haven't really been tested by tight ends since. But yeah, I, I like Graham more than all these fringe guys we've mentioned so far. I think in weeks two and three, he wasn't healthy. I think it was that groin issue he was dealing with. But week one, he scored. He scored in week four. And Graham, after Adams left that game last Thursday night, Graham saw four targets on 16 Aaron Rodgers throws. So, you know, 25% target share. And might have done a little more if he were able to get two hands up in the air to Mm -hmm. try to catch a pass as opposed to one. Even his coach is like, (laughs) I think he knows he needs to get a second hand up in the air. Yeah, I mean, Saints Jimmy Graham catches that, but, you know, Packers (laughs) Jimmy Graham doesn't. Yeah. All right, on the Dallas side, Michael Gallup returned to a limited practice Wednesday. That came a couple days after Jerry Jones said he couldn't rule out Michael Gallup returning for this game. So, We'll need to watch to see if Gallup is ready, but if he's active, he's probably in the the low wide receiver three mix. Yeah, I mean, risk-reward unless we hear how much he's going to play. I hope Dallas isn't rushing him back just because they lost that game last week, and you know this is obviously a pretty tough game against Green Bay. But we are, well, we're, we're three weeks removed from Gallup surgery, and it was, I think, a two- to four-week timetable, so maybe he is ready to come back. I think, more than anything, it just boosts Dak Prescott's profile, I think. Missing Gallup the last two weeks has really hurt that passing game. Mm-hmm. Amari Cooper limited by his ankle Wednesday. He was limited by the ankle last week. Played. Who knows how much of the disappointing game at New Orleans was related to the ankle, but at home he's been lights out with yes. Dallas. So, I mean, he's in the lineup. Yeah, he's in your lineup. Another tough matchup. I think he's going to see a lot of Jair Alexander, but y- y- you can't bench Cooper. We'll probably get lots of running in this game because yeah. the Packers are good against the pass and awful against the run. It's worth noting, too, that the Cowboys will probably be without left tackle Tyron Smith Mm -hmm. on an ankle injury. Might be without Lyle Collins, their right tackle. He missed Wednesday's practice with a back issue. The report says his back is acting up. So... You know, that doesn't sound like a specific injury. Maybe he bounces back from that. Maybe it doesn't ultimately matter that much. But, you know, certainly worth keeping tabs on the starting yeah. tackles for the offense. Yeah, the Tyron Smith absence is definitely big. Um, we saw, when was it? Was it 2017? Ago, yeah. yeah, the uh, Dallas offense struggled without him. So, yeah, I mean, I don't love Dak in this spot. I think he's like a low-end quarterback one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wouldn't, you know, go, you know, Andy Dalton to start over him this <laughs> week. And Zeke Elliott, despite the offensive line issues, re- this really should be his breakout game. You know, we saw the Eagles run all over the Packers, run defense last week, and, and Green Bay hasn't been good all season. They're allowing 5.3 yards per carry through running backs. I mean, Zeke's already had a couple of 100-yard games this year. I don't know if yeah, we need a breakout game for him. I, it, it doesn't feel like he's had like a big Zeke game. Like a yet, monster does it? game? Yeah. I, can, I, I guess I can see that. <laughs> he's going to need to get thrown the ball a little more, though, if he's going to have a true monster game. His passing game usage um, increased last week when you know they, they were playing from behind a bit in that game, so that was good to see. Mm. Indianapolis at Kansas City on Sunday night. Chiefs are 11-point favorites, a 56-point over-under. Frank Reich said that Marlon Mack did not leave last week's game because of his ankle sprain, but Marlon Mack did not practice Wednesday, so the ankle is not a non-factor, at least. Yeah, he's definitely not 100%. This is a tough game to try to figure out, especially from the Colts side, because it's a great 
matchup for Mac and the running game, or you know, if it's if it's Jordan Wilkins, if for some reason Mac can't play. The Chiefs are 31st according to Football Outsiders run defense DVOA. PFF has them dead last. They're allowing 5.8 yards per carry, but. Now, the downside for Mac is that the Colts fall behind in this game. You know, we saw in that game against the Raiders, and, you know, whether it was the ankle or game script that took Mac out of the game, he didn't end up playing much in the second half. Yeah, I, I would certainly play Marlon Mack if he's active and practicing fine by the end of the week in this game. You know, knowing that I could get a bust game from him, yeah. but he, he's going to be in my lineup. If he's not playing, I want no piece of Jordan Wilkins because they're going to fall behind in this game. <laughs> it's just a matter of how long it takes. And once they do, Jordan Wilkins is going to completely disappear. It's not good. He's yeah. not even going to be like Marlon Macquarie sometimes in the game. We're going to get a ton yeah. of Naheem Hines in that case, I think. That's fair. I think Wilkins probably won't do as much in the passing game as, as Mack would. But I think their ball-carrying roles would be similar, so I don't know. Uh, I don't. I think that <laughs> the Colts would abandon the run. Yeah. I mean, Naheem Hines can run the ball as well, so... I, I just I think that we would get less of Jordan Wilkins than we would in Marlon Mack in that game script. So if we're concerned at all about yeah. Marlon Mack's usage, then Jordan Wilkins becomes a maybe I'll toss him yeah. in a DFS lineup. Yeah, the, the Chiefs have faced the 13th most running back carries. So, you know, despite the fact that they usually race out to these leads, teams still still do stick with the run against them. So I, I think Mack's okay. you got to know the floor is kind of low, but he, he could also, you know, take 13 carries and, and rip off 90 yards in this in this spot. Yeah, a big part of that, too, is Baltimore's rushing in week three against them. Oh, was it yep. week three or week two? Week uh, three. Week three, yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, those numbers are still adjusting. We'll see. But, yeah, that, that those are my thoughts on the running backs. <laughs> At wide receiver, T.Y. Hilton's not yet practicing. Looks like a poor bet to play this week. Without T.Y. Hilton last week, <laughs> we got 46 pass attempts against the Raiders. Eight targets for Jack Doyle and Paris Campbell. Seven for Zach Pascal. Six for Naheem Hines and Chester Rogers. Five for Eric Ebron and Deion Kane. One catch between those guys total, <laughs> by the way. The 48-yard touchdown for Ebron. Yeah. One target for Jordan Wilkins. Campbell, by the way, did not practice Wednesday because of an abdominal issue this week. Yeah, I think if Hilton's out, we still have to avoid these wide receivers. Like you said, Campbell led the way in targets. He actually ran the fewest routes among those four wideouts. Deion Kane ran the most routes among the wideouts, saw the fewest targets with five. So it's just it's just sort of a mess. I do think both tight ends are in play, especially if T.Y. Hilton's out with his quad injury. Now, I definitely accidentally typed Dean Kane at first, so I wonder <laughs> if the Colts players are all too young for him for his nickname to be Superman. I'm not sure. I think Jack Doyle is more interesting this week because of T.Y. Hilton being out. He more than doubled Eric Ebron's playing time last week. He ran 10 more pass routes. The Chiefs are tied for the most tight end receptions allowed this year. I'm not saying Jack Doyle is about to have a big game, but I would be comfortable betting that he catches at least five passes here. Wow, that's a high number. Yeah. I think Jack Doyle is safer than Eric Ebron. I think Ebron has the higher ceiling. Their routes run were pretty much equal before last week Ebron I think he dropped three or four balls last week I'm, I'm guessing no. I'm guessing they took him off the field for a little while um, I know he scored the late touchdown so he wasn't outright benched but I would expect the passing game usage to be about equal in this game between those two I will certainly give Eric Ebron that he has a higher ceiling but he also has a better <laughs> chance of hitting his head on the ceiling <laughs> Tyreek Hill on the Chiefs side limited practice Wednesday seems to be trending toward playing we'll obviously keep watching that but that would be big for the offense if he comes back and it might change things a bit for Sammy Watkins yeah, maybe it helps Sammy Watkins. I don't know, because he's obviously been struggling a bit. His target share is down to 18% over the last two weeks now. Uh, you know, just, just a bit ahead of Demarcus Robinson, a little ahead of uh, Mecole Hardman as well. Still think you start Sammy Watkins. You start Demarcus Robinson in a lot, in most cases. Um, this is an interesting matchup, though, because the Colts play that zone D, and they try to keep everything in front of them, limit the big plays. <laughs> Good luck. Well, 
in the playoffs last year, you know, we saw Mahomes throw zero touchdowns last week against Detroit. He threw zero touchdowns against the Colts in the playoffs last year. Only 278 passing yards, 6.8 yards per attempt. So I'm not saying bench Patrick Mahomes, but, you know, don't be surprised if he doesn't have a, a monster game here. Yeah, I think it'll be less surprising after last week, but I'm certainly still betting on this pass offense. And, and Sammy Watkins, 24% targets so far this year. You mentioned it was even down over the past two weeks. Yeah. Last year, when Tyreek Hill was on the field and Watkins was on the field with him, 20% target share for Watkins, 21% for Hill. So it's not like we're going to get a true number one and a true number two here. Yeah. Also, so far this year, Sammy Watkins is at 3.1 yards of average separation, according to NFL Next Gen Stats. Last year, he was at three and a half. And that doesn't sound like a big difference, but his number last year ranked 12th in the league. His number this year ranks 42nd in the league. Hmm. So perhaps having Tyreek Hill back helps with that. I'm kind of glad that Sammy Watkins is off the main slate for DFS so that I can <laughs> stop putting him in my yeah. main lineup every week. But I'm certainly betting on him in season-long leagues without a second thought. Yeah, he's the number one wide receiver still in Kansas City. I think you start him. Um, he caught six balls for 62 yards in that game against the Colts in the playoffs last year. That was obviously alongside Tyreek Hill. The Colts' defense against wide receivers, though, has been good. They're 10th right now in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers, and they were 7th last year. Again, it's it's not the personnel. I think it's the scheme they run. They, they limit big plays, which I, I just think makes that an interesting matchup against this Chiefs passing game. Yeah, they have been dealing with some injuries back there, including losing uh, safety Malik Hooker for mm-hmm. a while. So we'll see if that affects them against the Chiefs. Damian Williams back to a full practice Wednesday. I think that means bye-bye Daryl Williams. Bye-bye Daryl Williams. If you're deciding, I might start Damian Williams over LaShawn McCoy. LaShawn McCoy was limited on Wednesday, so you know at this point, Damian might be healthier. I would probably play McCoy in non-PPR and Williams for sure in PPR. We'll see about the red zone distribution here. That was Williams' domain for the first two games of the season. We'll see if anything changes. I doubt that that would change. So, I mean, I Mm -hmm. I can't even confidently say I would play McCoy ahead in non-PPR. It's good for Damian Williams that LaShawn McCoy only has 11 targets through four games. That's the same number that Damian Williams had over the first two games. And as we've said before, LaShawn McCoy never in his career has been a good red zone running back. So Damian Williams right back in the mix, I think, immediately where he was over the first two weeks. Yeah, over those first two games, it was 22 carries for Damian Williams, 21 for LaShawn McCoy, and then the targets were 11 for Williams, just four for McCoy. I I think, though, both are nice plays here. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it could be a run heavier game from Kansas City than usual, at least. The Colts are 32nd in run D, according to Football Outsiders. They're 31st, according to... PFF and their 23rd and adjusted fantasy points allowed to running back. So, you know, I think Williams and McCoy are both nice running back twos this week. Last one of the week, Cleveland at San Francisco on Monday night. The Niners are three and a half point favorites as the only undefeated team in the NFC, I believe, right? Uh, Coming off yeah. there by. Yep. Over under 46 and a half. I am not buying that last week's Browns offense is showing up for this game. Nick Chubb, Odell Beckham, certainly in lineups. Jarvis Landry's in the concussion protocol, so we'll have to watch him. But Baker Mayfield is well into QB2 range against a defense that just might be good now. Yeah, it sounds crazy, but like this matchup against the 49ers is much tougher than the Browns matchup against the Ravens last week. Football Outsiders has... Life comes at you fast. It does. Football Outsiders has San Francisco second in pass defense. They're sixth in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Andy Dalton finished 10th against them, but that was on, what, like 50-something pass attempts, so... And a lot, um, most of it was garbage time. Exactly, yeah. Um, you know, Jameis Winston had the dud in week one. Mason Rudolph didn't do much against him in week three. So, yeah, I'm, I'm buying this Niners defense. On the Niners offensive side, I'm not excited about anyone. 
Matt Breida and Raheem Mostert would be options, but yeah. we're going to have to wait and see if Tevin Coleman's back in the mix this week. Yeah, I mean, this backfield's been so good. They're averaging 5.1 yards per carry as a group, but if Coleman's back, I, I have no idea what to make of the workload split, so it's kind of going to be tough to trust any of the guys. Yeah, I mean, like with the Chargers, we're not only going to have to watch the injury reports, but we're going to have to watch if there's any yeah. report on the plans for usage. You know, Kyle Shanahan has little reason to just come right out and tell us how things are going to work out, but we'll see if we get any of those sources close to the situation tell us things yep. otherwise it's george kittle and chill here yeah um i'm hoping we get some like clarity on the wide receiver situation coming out of the bye because there you know there hasn't been much um you know debo samuel's been most productive but he ran only about 50 percent of the routes over the past two weeks so you can't use him obviously can't use dante pettis yet Jimmy Garoppolo, I, I'm still not really buying. Um, he only has one finish better than quarterback 25 among his first three games, and that was the matchup against Cincinnati, who you know we know everyone's been torching. Yeah, nothing to get excited about with Garoppolo, I don't think. You know, he certainly could be a fantasy option going forward. And you play the Niners defense, I think, in this one, even though yeah. Cleveland just scored a bunch of points. Yep, agreed. That's going to do it for this Week 5 preview edition of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now to see exactly how we rank all these guys against each other. Get customized start-sit recommendations via your My Team page. And check out the second buy-sell-hold report of the season for suggested moves to make or not make at the quarter mark of the fantasy schedule. We'll be back at it tomorrow so that I can build some poor DFS lineups, donate money to other people. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. I am at ShaufDS. That's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Smola and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Shouse saying thanks so much for swimming with us. 